At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Walkie Talkies is a presentation of IHAR Radio and the College Athletes Network. Hey, Mo! What's up, lovely people? Welcome back to Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network featured on iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Noah Bono, and today is episode 10 of the podcast and a really special episode because we're going to switch things up a bit and we're going to make today's episode all about me, but we're going to do it in a fun way because I have a few important people with me, my older sister, Jillian, my older brother, Greg, and my beautiful girlfriend, Corey, that are going to be helping me out for episode 10 and you'll hear from them in just a minute. But before I introduce them quickly, I want to say I started this podcast back in September of 2000. And as you could assume, along the way, I have learned a lot about the podcasting world. And one of the most important things that I have learned while trying to build an audience is the importance of giving that audience a chance to get to know me as the host. Because knowing me is just as important as putting out all these great stories. I mean, you're not going to listen to my podcast if you don't fucking like me, right? Right, right. But anyway, the goal was to have 
my two siblings and my girlfriend interview me and get me talking a bit more about just me. So any current fans of the podcast who don't really know me and any future fans of the podcast we attract when they go through the episode log can come to this episode and just hear a little bit more about me and my own walk-on journey and also get a chance to meet some of the family as this really is a true family hangout. And then you can ultimately decide if you do like me or not. And then and whatever you decide, no problem. But for the structure of the episode, you may be concerned and annoyed that there will be four voices, but seriously, you don't have to be. The episode is very organic and conversational among us all. And there really is a good balance of everyone. Uh, besides me, I definitely talk too damn much, just, just like I'm doing right now. But my older sister, Jillian, took the lead and led the group and Corey and Greg filled in really nicely. Um, my brother did have an obnoxious mic that I had to edit the piss out of for the sake of all of your ears. And you'll hear it all. We were talking, laughing, and yelling at Greg for the mic, but ultimately we were having a great conversation about my journey with their questions, observations, and perspectives leading the way that I think you'll all really enjoy listening to, which is why you're here and click the episode. So like I said, a true family function, and we had a blast doing it. There will be more from this crew down the line, I hope, because you know I could not include everything from my five years uh, and condense all of that into an hour, hour and a half. There's just so many layers to the five years that not everything can make the cut, but I hope to have more styles of this kind of episode so you can keep learning more about my journey as a walk-on as walkie talkies podcast continues to grow but for now make sure you stick around to the end to hear my outro and i'll give a brief little update on where i'm at now and the endeavors i'm pursuing post college basketball since i kind of forgot to touch on that in my interview with them and with that being said let's bring in my three guest star co-hosts jillian greg and Corey. okay and i want the three of them to say their names and introduce themselves just so that you can get a feeler for their voice so jillian what's up hey it's jillian noah's older sister greg Hey, it's Greg. That was the brother. <laughs> Corey. Hi, I'm Corey. And now we're cracking. So, okay, you three in all different ways have gotten the chance to see my five-year walk-on journey. Greg's been the closest to it because Greg and I were two years apart growing up and played varsity basketball together. And obviously Greg likes basketball a whole lot more than Jillian and Corey. But uh, Jillian's seven and a half years older than me. So she's had, you know, spotty vision of what's gone on the last five years. And I met Corey two years ago. So she's gotten a glimpse of the last two years. So I think a cool way to start it off is like what each of you kind of know or see or remember about my walk on journey that is either good, bad, fun, interesting mean whatever comes to mind that you remember just something about the situation that i was in because you all know firsthand but for the listeners like to give them a feel of what you remember julian why don't you start us off all righty um well i kind of said this to know earlier today that i don't obviously know any like the relationship him and greg have on the court like i haven't been on the court so i think more so just getting involved and watching him play as a kid i kind of could tell and i think in my mind i didn't really know the backstory of how you needed to get there so when you said you were going to walk on to rider i just i thought that meant like you did it like i didn't really know the, what you were going to end up going through the next five years so i think what you have gone through i mean ultimately you're still involved in the sport and in the game which i think evolved over time which is why this is more of a success story than a story of you not having something um i just don't think that you had it in the way you thought so 
I think the success is that you're still involved, just in a different way. Greg, what do you think? Um, well, I think that, you know, I am obviously very uh, biased when it comes to Noah and his ability from the jump as uh, his older brother. Like I always just saw his potential on the court at a very young age. And, you know, once he hit his growth spurt and started to really take the game seriously, like to me, it was just a, a no brainer that if he could get himself in the right situation, like he could compete at the highest level in college basketball. And, you know, we played in a very non-competitive conference, you know, in New Jersey where there wasn't a lot of exposure, but, you know, we always knew that Noah had a, a ton of potential and if he could just get his foot in the door, you know, we didn't want him to take the D3 route. Uh, we thought that he was ready to play division one and, you know, just over the years, just watching just like how hard Noah's worked and grew as a basketball player from, you know, since he was in sixth grade to now, you know, finally graduating college, it's just been really fun to watch. And I think that being very close to the journey the last five years and seeing him go to three different colleges, play for three different teams, three different coaches, I, I can honestly say that I don't, I, I couldn't have made it through, you know, I would have quit after year one easily. Uh, I quit after high school because I was just, I was done with the uh, with the grind of uh of being a student athlete and just the commitment that it took to have my mind and my body where i needed every single day and all of that was elevated once now i got to school so you know my perspective is just that you know we ha we had dreams when we were younger and they didn't go out the way that we planned them to but noah figured out a way to insert himself into the environment that he wanted to be in and, you know, now uh, because of those connections and because of the crazy hard five years that he had to endure, you know, he's put himself in a position where he gets to still be in the game and uh, from, a, from a different angle, which is really cool to see. Corey, what about you? Well, I don't know anything about basketball. I feel like everything that I've learned has been by force from you. Didn't know what a walk-on was. But I will say the only thing I truly knew was the physical toll that being a student athlete, especially in college, can take on uh, like on the body. But you really showcase what it does mentally. And I think I've seen you go through a lot of mental struggles that I don't think people necessarily see from college athletes. I don't know. I think that that's like a good thing to talk about, especially when you're a podcast, because a lot of the people I listen to don't necessarily speak um, about that. Yeah, for some reason, mental health among college athletes is still taboo and people act like it's not important. Like if you guys or any of the listeners listen to episode nine uh, with Michaela Simmons from Duquesne, like that was pretty much the focus of that episode was just about what went on with her mental health because of the way she was treated. And I think that I related so much to that conversation because my first two years, like being young and not really having a good understanding of the game, and like where I was supposed to be or what my role was actually going to be. Like I was struggling mentally. Like I was so young, I was in such a rut. Like I didn't know how to get myself out of it. And I don't know. I just don't think that it's prioritized enough, like among us. And um, yeah, obviously each and every one of you got to witness me at some sort of a high, but more so a low. And that's not to say that like my journey was entirely negative. I just think that there was more, struggle involved with it because of my lack of understanding going into the role. And I think that you all had, you know, 
a front row seat to that. And every time we had conversations, whether it was collectively or individually, it was always like a, you know, you guys would play devil's advocate because it's like, well, why is this, why is it like that? And I, you know, I had to explain every layer that I was learning as to why it was like that. And obviously our parents still don't, <laughs> still don't understand or accept the ways of this life. But I didn't make the rule that if you give someone a scholarship and you tell this other kid that he can just be on the team, but he's got to pay that the treatment was going to be unequal. And, you know, obviously from off rip, we probably should have assumed that. And I think we did to a certain extent, but I think based on what I was told when I made the initial decision, I was completely misled into thinking that it was going to be sweet or it was going to be a good opportunity off the bat. And I don't know. So kind of what you were piggybacking off of what you were just saying, why do you think you said yes to Ryder? And if you knew what you knew now, what would you have done differently? I think I said yes to Ryder um, because, I mean, I had like 100 Division three schools calling me, some of the best D3 schools in the country at the time. And I was just so insecure and so like stuck on the fact that D1 was what it was and that I had to be D1 because people around me told me that I could be a Division one player. And then there's the, there was the whole like stigma of like, you know, you're cool when you're a D1 athlete and like, you know. But the biggest thing that I always kept in mind is that I knew that no matter what my role on a Division One team was, is that I was getting my foot in the door to make certain connections that not a lot of people could get if you go to a Division Three school. And I always look back on that thought and laugh because me and Greg always joke about, you know, we did not become people that were awake until we were like 19 years old. Like, hello world. Like, welcome. This is what it's like to live. Like, but I was not really a person when I was having these thoughts about connections, 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 but something just was programmed in my head that was like, dude, if you go here, you're going to make good connections that can help you climb and climb and climb. And so I think that played the biggest part was, yes, I was insecure, cared about what people thought, felt like making a division one commitment was nail in the coffin. Fuck all you. Like anybody who doubted me, didn't pick me for an all-star team. Um, whatever it was like dating all the way back to eighth grade when I was so far and ahead, the best player on my team. And yeah, that's the one time I'll stroke my ego. So, but yeah, I, I think those two things were the catalyst for why I chose Ryder. And I think looking back on it, I don't regret going there because, you know, 15 of those guys are some of my best friends and we talk on a daily basis in our group chat, group FaceTimes. And I just, the connection I was able to build with them was great. However, the one thing that I'll always regret is just not putting myself in the best position to play basketball. Like, you know, I had a decent high school career that I wanted to build upon and keep learning and learning and learning, but I don't think I ever gave myself a fair chance of like, you can really get on the court and play here. And some of that was circumstantial based on coaches and environments and whatever. But I think had I made more thorough decisions and just what was better for me rather than like making decisions based on what other people thought mm. that I would have been able to play. But you know, do you do, think it was a disservice? It's a disservice to kids that have to make these choices when they're 17 and 18 years old, because ultimately we're kids. So you're not supposed to be awake when you're 17 or 18. And so like the immaturity of you was really what was making that choice. Cause it was like all out of ego. Like, watch me, I'm on D1. It doesn't matter in what way. And if you were more tapped into what an ego was, maybe that choice wouldn't have been that. And there is no regrets like at all. It's yeah. just more of more about of what you couldn't have prevented because you were a kid. Right. And I think that's just like where, you know, our parents are supposed to step in. But I think that even they were like, my son is going to be a D1 athlete. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, it, it, they totally just like, 
disregarded the fact that Ryder was like $60,000, you know? And it's like, these D3 schools were going to have you just go for free. You weren't going to pay a dollar. And, but it was like this whole D1 thing was such a big deal in our house. And it was like the first chance that you got when coach Luber reached out to you, it was like, well, he has to go. It's D1, but it's like, there's so many other facets to the growth of a basketball player, just because you're in a division one environment, you know, doesn't mean that you're going to uh, get the full experience that every other kid is going to get there, especially as a walk-on. And so, you know, I think that one thing I wanted to ask, like, since we're on Ryder is like, obviously because you were so young and you were so excited to be D one and go D one and, and you you took the position as walk-on, you know, and I think that in your head, you're like, Oh, I'm going to go there and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to play, you know, how soon into your rider career did you realize like, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm never going to touch the court ever. I might not have, I might ever even practice. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty quickly. I mean, I got there in the summer and I remember like we were hedging ball screens in like a warm up drill. Like we were just warming up. Actually, I remember being told to get on the baseline for our first summer workout and I was nervous just to do the stretches. Like I was running up and down the court, like nervous to pull my quad up and reach up in the air and do a quad pull because I was like petrified because I was so far out of my comfort zone. I had never, I played, you know, 15 years of basketball being one of, if not the best player in every gym I was in because I was young and dumb and didn't really force myself to step outside of my comfort zone and challenge myself more. And you know, when I got to Ryder, it was complete culture shock with the, with the guys I was around. I was even Ryan, my Ryan O'Leary is my other walk-on teammate who I spent two years with. He was even light years better than me. Like he, he still can't fucking dribble, but I was, <laughs> shout out Ryan. This? Is he going to hear this? Yeah. Ryan will hear this. Sh shout um, out, shout out O'Leary. We love O'Leary. Yeah. So he was even light years better than me. And that's because he had a couple more experiences out before college that helped prep him for that moment. But I knew right away, like we were hedging ball screens in a warm up drill, and I had absolutely zero idea what the word hedge even meant. And I was paying attention thoroughly to the like explaining the drill and what we were going to do. And a lot of college coaches are very short winded to the point, not going to give you much of an explanation, kind of expect you to just go out and pay attention to the first rep they show and then just be able to follow it. And I tried my hardest, but there's always, there's, you know, coordination and steps and certain things that need to, you need to get down and understand. And I'm a physical learner. So I was always, always struggled with like just watching something and then being able to out, go out there and do it. And so, you know, I was getting screamed at within like the first five minutes of my first ever college basketball practice, which is fine. I didn't, it wasn't about getting screamed at. It was like, I just want to get it right. And I know I only have like maybe two tries to get this thing right. Otherwise I'm getting off the court. So I would say I knew pretty quickly going into Ryder that I was definitely not going to play and that I had a long way to go. Like I had so many obstacles to climb barriers, to knock down just to even get on the practice floor. And I do think that I got to a certain level of comfort in the second half of the season where I was like, good to go. Like you could have used me, utilized what I had on the scout team, but they didn't put Ryan or myself on the scout team at all. We sat there for the majority of the time and watched and were not utilized whatsoever, even though in practice, in practice, never, never practiced. Like, like literally, I mean, I would, because we never practiced, I would literally make sure that I woke up at like five 45, 6 AM every single day 
and I would get in the gym or the weight room, both didn't matter which one was first or second. And I'd get an hour workout on the court and I'd get an hour lift in and then I'd go get a meal at the dining hall. I'd come back, mm -hmm. slug a protein drink, and then I'd be in the gym by like 930 waiting for practice to start at 10. And that was damn near every day from, you know, September, October, November, those three months of the preseason leading into the start of the season for my, both my years there where I was like up and at it because I knew I'm about to sit around for two and a half hours from 10 to 12 sit in the film room from 12 to 1230. And so it was like, I got to get my own work in because if I don't, then I got to do it later on at night after classes in the afternoon. And now I'm in the gym at 8 PM, 9 PM. And I got to wake up for practice the next morning. It made more sense to do it all in the morning. So like it sucked because it was like, wow, I just, I wish I could just get the same workout in that my teammates are getting in. But <laughs> nah. no, I had to fucking I had to do two and a half extra hours because it was like, I got to, you know, I got to feel like I'm reaching my goals. I got to feel like I'm getting better, but I don't think I really under, I think I really underestimated what else came with that on the mental side of like understanding the game of basketball, because like when coach would kick me off the drill and stuff, or like, I'd be sitting there watching, like I am not participating. So I am just supposed to observe what is going on in practice. And that was my time to learn. But a lot of the times you're standing there when you're a freshman and a sophomore, the only thing going on in your head is like, am I going to get in? Are they going to tell me to like, do I have to go in? Like I've been standing here for an hour and a half and I'm really stiff. Like I, there's no way that I can play. My point is though, to paying attention to the mental side is like, I missed out on a lot of what I could have learned with just basketball and paying attention on what the system of college basketball was like a lot earlier because I was just, I lacked attentiveness mm -hmm. to like what was going on because I was so focused on like, why am I not practicing? Why don't they like me? Why don't they talk to me? Why, you know, so I had all these other young, immature, that some were valid, but immature thoughts going on while I was watching basketball practice when I could have just been learning. I was just fucking in my head, being insecure, being uncomfortable. And I ended up not, you know, I went to my second school, the division three school. And I remember they were asking me what a flex action is or telling me like, yo, run flex. And obviously we don't all know what flex is. That's fine. It's just, it's a very simple action. That's like universal. And the one kid looked at me and was like, cause I was like, I don't, I don't know. Where do I go? <laughs> and this is already two years in a, after two years in a division one program. And he was like, you guys didn't run flex at rider. Like you guys never ran flex. And it never clicked in my head on what flex was until I understood it the last two years of like, oh, wow. Like I really was lacking attention at Ryder because I had so much other shit on on my mind. Do you um, I think you were saying something about some of them were valid thoughts, other were insecure. But do you think that through all of that, you're overdoing it, you're mentally drained. But at a certain point, when do you realize like you're being like emotionally abused in this in the situation? And when you go from like killing yourself physically and mentally to try and prove something to this person, you know, the coach at Ryder to realizing that that's just never going to work out for you. Um, yeah, I think I picked up on it quickly when I realized that like, you know, the coaches would barely even talk to me outside of basketball. Like God forbid they ever coached me on the court during a drill that I was allowed to do. But I mean, like you'd see, you know, I'd be in the gym all the time. We used to always hang out in the locker room. It was like the spot on campus for us 15 guys. And like, you know, we'd see them in passing all the time. And like, I'd be with four of my teammates and it would, you know, just be conversation with them. And it would just be like, I was a ghost standing there. Like, and so I knew like, okay, these people aren't even saying hello. They're not asking me how I am. How are classes? How is everything going on? How are you adjusting to college? Like, you Meanwhile, know, was... your grades are excellent. Like you probably had one of the best. Yeah, I, I think my freshman year of college, 
I finished the year with like a three seven. It was probably the only semester or only year of my nerd years that I tried in college. <laughs> Literally nerd. But just yeah. like naturally smart and they're right. ignoring you and you know, you have like you have this whole other side of you that no one even knows about. Yeah, I remember my second year at Ryder. We were preseason number one for our conference. And we started off the year six and oh in conference, and then we lost five games in a row. And I remember after we lost the fifth game, we had this big meeting. And I remember like after the meeting, I ran out of the locker room and I like ran up to Coach Bags and I just like I just like felt compelled to say something to this guy about what was going on because I'm sitting there observing everything, watching, you know, losing the games with them, even if I wasn't playing. And I just remember giving him my take, my perspective, my point of view. And <laughs> this motherfucker really looked at me and was like, you know what, Noah, up until this point, I didn't think you were here at all. I didn't think you were all there. I didn't I didn't think you cared. I just thought you were just happy to be here. Like, I am so impressed. And I, I got to say, I respect you now. And I was like. And the, what is it, <laughs> before three semesters in. Yeah, pretty much three semesters in was finally like. And then I remember one of my teammates was standing there during the whole conversation and he was gassing me up. He was like, he was like, oh, come on, coach. Like, no, he's a genius. Like, you know, you know, he's been paying attention, watch him, blah, blah, blah. Like, and from that point on, like, cause the season was winding down shortly after that. And I was already knew I was transferring. And I just remember my final conversations with him throughout the year were always like, I got a lot of respect for, you know, you know, I got, and it was always just stemmed from that one conversation. And I think that that one conversation I had with him, you know, it didn't change his philosophy and outlook on walk-ons. And I got that explanation from him in my exit meeting, but I think it did change the respect level uh, for him to me, you know, to then help me get to Duquesne a whole year after not even being at Ryder, going to a whole nother school, spending the whole year there and then contacting him and asking like, Hey, can you, can you help me out? And um, I don't know, had I not had that conversation with him, I don't know if he would have helped me because we really had no relationship. There was, I had one, one and a half relationships with the coaches and it was with coach Luber who recruited me there and coach Ben K who was like the director of player development. And it was like an unpaid position. He was just paying his dues to climb the coaching ladder. And he was a great guy. He was one of the D three coaches that recruited me at the time. And when he had his first day at Ryder, my second year there, he was like, so like, yeah, I know who you are. I recruited you. You never texted me back. You never. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck it. Hey, man. Like, wow. Like, You're like mistake. <laughs> he's like, this is your karma. <laughs> yeah. Why do you could... think that um, college, like, why do they have walk-ons and then mistreat them? Like, why is that culture that way? And like, how do we, how do you proactively be a part of changing that? Like, what's the point? It's a great question because a lot of the walk-ons I've talked to and it always is like program dependent, have had great experiences. And then there's other walk-ons who are not valued in the same regard, which makes them, you know, be treated like they're less than. And uh, I think it all comes down to, like I said about some of the coaches at Ryder, like it's very philosophy dependent. Like if you like care and want to allocate all of your time to everyone equally, that's your choice. If you feel like, you know, these walk-ons are here as team GPA boosters, as locker room morale guys, and practice players, that's it. Like, you know, then they're people. We're, that's like a problem. Yeah, no. So the thing is, is like, you don't have to let a walk on practice. You don't have to, you know, let them be a part of a lot of the team's things. You can, you cannot give them a pair of shoes. You cannot give them a pair of slides. That's happened to me plenty of times, but you should still be respectful. And I think that that's right. like where the discord is, is like some of these guys, like just because, you know, a lot of my assistant coaches at some of these schools, like, 
just because I was a walk-on and I wasn't contributing to the team's overall success and the team's wins, it like programmed their mind to think like, yeah, I'm not even going to bother with him. I got 13 other guys I got to really worry about because we're paying right. for them. So I ain't worrying about that motherfucker. Right. Like he can figure his own <laughs> shit out. And that was, we don't mind. care that he's paying. <laughs> no, yeah, they, no, they don't. No, trust that, from, from my perspective, it's like if I was a coach and I had 15 guys on the team and two of them are paying to be there, they want to play basketball in this program so bad that they're willing to pay 60 K to be here when all the other guys that we're paying probably wouldn't be here if we weren't paying them. Like, I feel like if I was a coach, I would hold my walk-ons in a higher regard of like, you know, they really want to be here, you know? And because of that, it's like the bare minimum, I'm going to treat you like a human being and, you know, let you be in a drill or, you know, give you some sort of like, oh, I don't think that you could play for this team. Like give you something to look forward to, you know, like just you talking before, like I really, I'm like, you were, you said you were doing workouts like every single morning, two hours before, and you weren't just watching the practices. Like you had to stand up the whole time. Like they didn't even let my dog sit down. No, like, no, take seat, a, no seats available. What do you take mean? A, like he did like, they, like I'm standing on the sidelines. Like I'm standing up in my shoes as, as if you were going to go in, but you, right. Didn't. Yeah. Like I'm st- you know, there could be, you know, there'd be drills like hour and 45 minutes into the practice where it's like, Oh, I can do this. I can yeah, run but on that's the court like, and play. That is like a level of emotional and physical abuse because you're <laughs> like, like, that's like, why terrible. did you go ahead? Cor. You've had two people who have come on who both said like, okay, I spent two years in this program and I realized this isn't for me. I'm being physically and emotionally, abused or mistreated and so i quit why did you continue you went through three schools you went through three programs that in a sense didn't treat you as if you were equal to all the players on the team so why did you why did you continue going yeah um i would say that Ryder was the most of like i am not equal like the word walk on was thrown around as if like i was just like this some disgusting being of like ugh, you walk on ugh. Like that's what it felt like. Like is it didn't like, you, even let you sit down. Like I can't nasty even walk on. Get away from us. Like that's what it felt like. Like, and I don't think that at the next two schools, like obviously I went to a division three school, so it wasn't it wasn't the same. And I went there with an injury. Um, so that was like that was to my downfall for that. But Duquesne was definitely a little bit different in terms of like the treatment. Like the coaches there like couldn't have respected me and like brought me into the family more. I don't think there was like an opportunity for me to really play at Duquesne or like learn um, what they did to then help me get on the court. Because again, like it was like, we're going to allocate our time to our 13 scholarship guys. And, you know, you have to learn on the go. You don't get the reps. Like I remember like my third day during COVID, uh, it was like July of 2020. It was third day of practice at Duquesne. And we were practicing in groups of four. And Coach D was like, Noah, you get every fourth rep. And I was like... <laughs> I literally started like, like, so we would rotate, but I had to wait for, you know, three times and then I could go like for three other people, or if there was only two of us, like for them to go three times and then I could get the fourth rep. So every fourth rep, I got to get one rep. And I remember because I was in my fourth year at that point, I was already used to it. I just started laughing because I was like, I'm not going to take that personal. Like now I know where it comes from. (laughs) that's just so funny the problem at Ryder was like I just had no idea like I didn't know that that was a thing and like and they they, you know there was no communication there to me that like hey you're never going to practice it was simply just like the times I tried to practice I would just get kicked off and then the times when I was just standing there I was not utilized unless we had a couple bodies injured 
or someone was really gassed and needed like a, you know, two rep breather and I would get in there. But to answer your question, Corey, like, I don't think I quit because in my mind throughout the whole process, like I had an end goal. It was like, you know, I, there's plenty of people who don't play a lick of college basketball can go get a try, be it, you know, an overseas walk on, they go try out and they make a team. And in the back of my head, like at that time, I loved basketball so much playing that, like, I was like, man, I'm just, I'm just going to get what I can out of this, like utilize these resources and, and the training facilities and everything I can here to then do that. But obviously it kept dwindling and dwindling and the dream kept fading but I was like, I'm never going to go to college and not be a college basketball player. Like I, in my mind, it was like, I'm a college basketball player. Like I'm not, I'm not going to school to be a regular student. Like I don't do school. I do basketball. And like, as crazy as that sounds, like that's what it was. Like I would do my schoolwork on the side, but I, it was always working out, lifting, eating, meditating, you know, watching film, whatever the hell I could be doing that involved basketball. That was always priority number one. And I never wanted that to be priority number two. And if I quit, and I think that it would have taken a back seat and I could be working a nine to five in finance right now or something like, and I never wanted that to be the case. I always knew I wanted to keep hooping or at least be around basketball. So I was like, if that was the case and I needed to keep eating shit and not quit and just ride the wave. Are right, you glad that you didn't quit? Yeah. I'm so yeah. glad I didn't quit. So I, it's funny because my first year at Ryder, I was the 16th man on the roster and the last three guys, two were red shirts, scholarship players. And the other one was Ryan, who we mentioned earlier. And they all red shirted. And in order to red shirt, you have to technically be on the 15 man roster. Mm -hmm. So I was not red shirting and I was left off the 15 man roster. And so in our exhibition game, like I was not allowed to play. We were up by like 35 points and I was not allowed to get put in the game. And no one knew this. All the guys on the bench are going, put Noah in, put Noah in. Like, and at the end of the game, like coach, pulls me into it or I just went in there he didn't he was not going to communicate this with me if I did not ask and I forget what the term was that they called me because I was not on scholarship and I was not on the technical 15-man roster but essentially like I was not allowed to enter the game because I wasn't on the 15-man roster and so therefore I technically did redshirt even though that's not what I was there to do so I didn't even know any of those things were happening until like literally the first game of the season, I was like, wait, I'm not even eligible to play. Like, so I have to red shirt, like I have to burn my red shirt year. So that was like crazy. And I don't know. I, I, so, oh, that's what I was trying to say is like that first year though, like we won our conference and like, we came in first place in our conference, got the number one seed in the tournament. Like the team was loaded. Like we were so good, so much talent. And then fast forward five years to my last year. And I'm a part of a team that loses 17 games in a row in conference play and I'm the walk-on on the end of that bench so when you're the walk-on on the team that comes in first and you're not getting any burn it's not really a big deal because it's like oh my god the team is so good like we're just vibing we're winning it's fun but then when you're the walk-on on the team that loses 17 games in a row and you still don't get any burn now you're just the guy at the end of the bench that's like wow I'm really embarrassed to be here like I, <laughs> we're so bad and they're still not even going to give me a chance to get on the right. court like this is really like, bad. So my point is, is I got to see the high, I got to start my career on a real high, like being a part of so much winning. And then as the years went on, like, you know, my fourth year at Duquesne, we were nine and nine during the pandemic. And then my last year at Duquesne, we were literally one and 17 in conference six and 24 overall. Like I got to see everything about winning and everything about losing. And maybe I wish I could erase the last year just because of the losing was so brutal. Um, but no, I, I don't, I don't think I, 
again, like I wanted to be, I wanted to identify as a college basketball player, like for as long as I could. So, or a basketball player for as long as I could. Okay. Quick break. Hope everyone is enjoying. Please don't go anywhere. There's so much more funny stuff coming right up after the break from my brother, Greg, about the year I went to school with him and the back injury that I was dealing with. True top three highlight of the episode coming up. So stay put. We'll be right back. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network is back. Make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying, and let's bring back in the team, Jillian, Greg, and Corey. This is like my only perception, but I also don't think that you quit because you have a lot of friends. I mean, I think that if anyone was in your corner, if it wasn't those coaches at Ryder, like you just said, you have 15 really good friends from Ryder that you're still in contact with, and then you have these relationships that you've built up at Duquesne that potentially has pushed you into now a career with you know, another now close friend mentor. So I think that not, I think quitting would have meant that you would also have lost those relationships. Uh So quitting would have been quitting them. Uh 
and they, I agree they supported you even though you weren't getting on the court and even though you weren't playing those relationships like were more important to you than like walking right okay. and i think but i think what's funny though is that when noah went from rider to to d3 school which was the college that i was going to like i don't think that he didn't have any friends but i don't think he was there long enough to form the same bonds yeah and like the situ- he was hurt with a herniated disc like he couldn't even play and um, much more than the herniation but we'll leave it at that yeah you know, much, yeah there's a lot but spine curvature in the x-ray it looked like his neck was like detached. oh my god i had a transitional vertebrae a cracked spine at the bottom of like my l5 and i had a herniated disc and yeah i was an absolute my but, posture is still terrible so you need to get your posture straight yeah, yeah seriously seriously i'm sitting on um, the yoga block right now guys i'm straightened <laughs> out i i brought it up though because like it's funny because even in that moment you weren't playing because you were hurt and now you're at this d3 school that's not really offering you anything because the whole reason you were going there was to get game film to go back and hopefully get a scholarship somewhere else and now you're just there watching these d3 practices with people you don't even know and yeah you're going to my school and it was like you still wouldn't quit and i every day was like you should quit you should you should you should you should quit and then you should fucking drop out of this school. You're like, I'm so, I'm sorry I ever asked you to come here. This was a terrible idea. Leave. <laughs> yeah. And he wouldn't do it. Literally. He would not quit. And I'm he like, was, I don't get it. I don't get it. Greg was telling me to quit in September. He was telling me to quit in December and in February. Literally, like, even before the last game of the season, he was like, you shouldn't go. You should just quit. Like, as like soon as you got it hurt again, because you or he can't, he was better once he got there and then he got hurt within five days of practicing. And once he got hurt again and was like, oh, I'm not, I don't, I'm going to be out for a while. I'm like, you should withdraw from all of your classes and go home, man. I want you to be at my college, but this, you're just going to lose a year of eligibility. This is so stupid. The fucking coaches of douchebag get out of here. And he's just <laughs> sitting there like, I love basketball. No. I love basketball. <laughs> I'm like, dude, me too, but fuck this. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was a major fuck this. Like it was I, every day that I I look back on that, I'm like, I cannot believe I went to those practices every single day. I went to those games like because there came a point where I was healthy and I was sitting on that bench ready. I was getting in shape every day during practice. I had a nice gear up. Took me a while. Took me like two months. Like once I was quote unquote healthy because I was away from the game for eight total months. Like I was, it was like I tore my ACL, knock on wood, but like the back stuff piled up, kept me out for that long. And I was sitting on that bench like the whole time going, I could just be sitting on Ryder's bench right now. Like this is terrible (laughs) with my, with my friends, with my boys. Like it's not that I wasn't friends with kids at Ramapo, but like you said, like didn't have a lot of, like I missed a lot of stuff in the preseason. So I wasn't around them a lot. Like I was missing some of the away games in the beginning of the year. Cause I was going home driving an hour and a half to get like extra rehab, extra, you know, what's the, what's the Tammy therapy, Greg? Um, oh, fascial release. Yeah. I was trying right. to get myofascial release and like, you know, <laughs> cryo freeze. I was doing fucking everything in the world. I forgot man. about that. I remember yeah. we were, we were joking around that Noah, Noah was like LeBron. He had a team of doctors. He had, I did. He had two, I had like four had three chiropractors working on me. I, I was going to th- no. I had, I had mommy, Maddie, uh, Mr. Koziel, Tammy, and the doctors in Ramsey up by Ramapo. So I had like a team of five different people like coming for my back. Like, I so, had he could, so you could go sit on the, 
Yeah. So, so you so go, sit, go sit the Rambo bench. Sit on the bench. Yeah. So I definitely, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I didn't like. I look back on that and I'm glad that I didn't walk away. Like, there's always that like feeling of like, because if I didn't finish, I'd be looking at it like I could have just rode that out. Like I'm two years out of that situation, and anytime I think of it, I'm always like, man, I'm so happy I stuck that out. Like it just gives me like a. It gives me like some sort of like toughness badge of like it was so fucking bad, so miserable. Honestly, more miserable than any bad thing that happened at Ryder that I'm like, I got through that. Like I did it. It's cool. I can smile about it. I can laugh about it. And then the pandemic hit and I got four and a half months to totally unwind, chill, do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Figure out my life. Knew I was not going back there. Um, but yeah, I think that like looking back, if I did quit, I'll probably I'd feel a little bit different because like I didn't quit. You been, like I didn't you quit anything. Didn't quit. No, but also uh, I have this correlation that I always think about about me, myself, and you. Only because it is a little interesting. This woman said this to me, nasty, nasty woman. Um, when I was a senior, she was a mother of a girl who was just a, such an excellent singer and such an amazing dancer, and she got into every conservatory for musical theater, and she's perfect. And this mother was like, "Oh, I heard you got in nowhere." And I was like, you're right. I got in <laughs> absolute, absolutely nowhere. I tried, like we're talking about our parents, like, you know, like pushing us up. I tried out for the best, just to preface this, I have a point. I tried out for the absolute best top, top, top musical theater schools in the country. They take eight girls, eight guys. Like, you're not getting in. Like, not if someone had a real conversation with me, they would have looked me dead in the face and said, "Hunt, you're good, but you're not getting in. You need to figure out plan B, C, and D because you're not getting in. So I didn't get in. This woman looks at me, says this to my face, and I was like, you're right, lady. I'm going to cry, so say what you're going to say. And she was like, well, you know, it's just you're great in a small pond. And I was like, you're right, you're so right. And my point is to this, Noah, not to say you're great in a small pond. My point is to say, ironically enough, I did get in somewhere. Ironically enough, eventually I did get in somewhere, but I had to do it all over again. But out of those five years, I never was in one play. I was Mm -hmm. never in one musical. I was never doing one thing that I said I was gonna do, even though I went to the school to do it. And someone said yes to me. And the hindsight of that is it really is just ironic. And the difference between me and you is that I genuinely can say that I didn't try. I was not on a bench. I was not waiting to get on Mm -hmm. that court. I was not waiting to go to these auditions. I was not trying. So if I actually sat on the bench, maybe I would have been in one play. Maybe it would have been the black box that the random kid, you know, directed. And it wasn't a who cares? Like I would have done something, but you, even though you sat on that bench, you were one step closer than I ever was. So you don't, you don't quit when you have a vision. And Mm -hmm. I think that even though your vision wasn't fully complete, there's an irony, like an irony to the fact that like, oh, I did this thing. And then I sat and I watched a bunch of people play. I never played, but like I was there and it's like, it's weird. It's a weird thing. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do with aiming too high too soon. So I didn't need to try out for the best musical theater schools ever. I could have went to Montclair and I could have had a great education. I could have maybe ended up in a musical. You could have went D3 or maybe went to a prep school and had a different course. It's just that we aim so high thinking a little too highly of ourselves. Yeah, right. No, that's exactly what it was. I don't think that I had like anybody that was more unbiased in, in my circle that could have said like, hey, man, like you are a good player and you 
could have division one potential, but like you need to work on these four things and you need to have a better understanding of the game. Like I just went in blind off people's words of like, you're a six, five shooter. You're a D one baller. Like that was it. That was just literally what it came down to. It was like, you're six, yeah. five with a clip. Like you can play D one. Your height. Isn't the only thing that was going right. to carry you through that. That's not, but, like- al- but also the name tag of D one, like once you, once you're in the environment of D one and then, or just around college athletics, like it's about playing. Like you're a, you're, you want to play. Like it doesn't matter that you have the thing connected to your name, you know, if you're not playing because you know, there's kids that we know that maybe could have went D one, but they did, they decided to go D three and they, they spent four years at a D three school and they, you know, averaged 27 points a game and they yeah. had this whole had- fucking career and they played basketball for four years. And then it, none of these people are like, I wish I went to D one. No. And a lot no. of these kids are just as good as some of these, maybe not when you get to the mid majors and the high majors, but like a lot of these D really good D two players, really good D three players, they're fucking badasses, And it, yeah. they didn't, they didn't need to go up against that competition or fight through the, the politics of D one to prove that they're just like, I'm just going to go to the school and, and do the thing that I love and play. But you know, yeah. we, we got too caught up in the, in the name recognition. of Dude, like, not, I'm so bougie too. Like when I, the year I spent at the D3 school, I was like, you know, they're handing me 10 bucks. We're taking a fucking school bucks, a school bus to like, like Montclair or wherever we were going. And it was on us to like, during the girls game that we had to watch prior to our game, you know, walk around the area of the school and go get some food. Like I'm eating Burger King and McDonald's with a $10 fucking per diem, you know, before the game. And I'm like, yo, this is so not what I want to be doing. I would literally rather eat shit at the end of the bench than be eating $10 Burger King before this game. Seriously, seriously, I was so bougie that, like, I remember, you know, even going back to making the decision out of high school, like, oh, I want to live that D1 life, like the travel, the gear, the planes, the the, the road trips, like all the meals. And it was great. Like, it was everything, you know, you could ask for being on a D1 team. Like, we got catered to so much. And then I got to see the other side of it of college athletics when you're not catered to. And then I jumped, you know, triple the level. I went from a low major at Ryder to a D3 all the way to a school in the A10. And I'm being handed gear with my favorite player's symbol on it with a crown on it. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck what happens here. I'm getting custom bronze. He's like all this dope ass shit. That's like, this is what I, this is what I'm here for. I'm making the connections. I'm making friends. I'm making relationships. I'm playing basketball. I might not be getting in the game, but I'm playing basketball. Like, and I'm learning basketball. Like there was always like those positives that, you know, they kind of fade into the background sometimes when all the negative shit is like more apparent, but it was always still there. Like talking about it with you guys, like it was always still like, I did get all those amenities. I did get catered to, I did get weekly massages. Like I was fucking living. Like I got two, two meals a day. Like for two years, I was getting two meals a day, an apartment off campus. Uh, every two weeks we got groceries. Like there's amazing, <laughs> there's amazing amenities to being a yeah. division one basketball player. Like I was able to eat six meals a day last year because it was, it was available. And if I was at a division three school, like I wouldn't have had money to pay yeah. for those yeah, type of groceries and meals. Thyroid. You should check your thyroid. I think you're hungry, too hungry for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, that, that it's might like, be a new thing. Uh, yeah. uh, it's like, yeah, these are amazing things that you were afforded, but 
I feel like I still watched you go through so much mentally. And I don't know how much you want to include, but you brought it up to me earlier. But there was a point in October, so I had known you for a year. So you're on your, your second year at Duquesne, where you came to me after practice and you were fully bawling your eyes out. I think it was like one of the first times I've ever seen you cry. Like fully bawling your eyes out mentally. You were just not doing good. And like, oh, yeah. yeah, the the good seems great. You went from a low level like D3, you were taking a, a yellow school bus to go around <laughs> with $10 in your pocket to get food to, you know, getting food two times a day to having LeBron emblems on your stuff. Like you're living lavish, getting massages weekly. Yeah, excuse um, me, I know this. So mentally, yeah, you're being afforded all these great things. It's coming at a price. Do you think that price right, is right. worth it? Um, Sometimes yes and sometimes no. I don't really like... I think the one thing that makes it worth it is that now that I've gotten through it, it's over, it's done, it's history. Like, it's the same thing with not quitting at Ramapo. Like, I'm able to look back on those situations and feel like, honestly, like a sense of gratitude of like, yo, that shit made me tougher. Like, it was hard, but like it made my skin thicker and it made me just like kind of have a better outlook on how people will treat people or how I want to be treated. So therefore I have to treat other people that way as well. And I think like just being able to see all those things and being exposed to it just made me tougher. And it made me like, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Um, but I, I don't like, I think in the moment it's easy to say like, no, that's not worth it. Like I don't want to be, you know, verbally abused and and whatever. But like, honestly, like I am, I am not an outlier. Like, and I think you all are aware of that. Like I would say 95% of kids that play college sports, like in some capacity are being verbally abused. Like college coaches are on fucking power trips and they don't really care. They're in, you know, they're there coaching the game because they love it, but they're also making a hefty check and they're making a living off that. So it's like, there's pressure on them every day to win ball games and prove to the athletic director that they were the right decision to hire. And so like, sometimes like a 19, 20 year old kid's feelings are, they don't give a fuck. Like, it's like, dude, help me win a game or sit the fuck down. Like, and yeah, like that's that's the brunt of it. It ain't always like sweet, but I think like being around that, seeing it, being a part like it happening to me just made me tougher. And I I don't really think like I would trade it. I, I think like, yeah, I of course would have liked to have been treated better, more consistently, but like it just I don't know. It's weird it's weird to say like that helped me like have a like being treated like shit help helped me have a better outlook on how to treat people. I don't know. I, I yeah. I get I'm what you're saying. I'm I mean, I'm I rambling. I'm also kind of thinking of of a you know just the way we were raised and not I don't want to call us like middle class or lower middle class but I mean as far as our financial situation growing up it wasn't necessarily like you know lavish and I think you know there's like a standard when you get older where you're like you know I would like to have that in my life I'd love to have this affluence or this you know this next level that I didn't have as a kid or even as a young adult and I think that, you know, it, it draws you in. There's a lifestyle that you have, you know, gotten over the last two years being at Duquesne that potentially is, you know, attractive in the fact that, like, I paid my dues. I was at two different schools and, and like, treated like complete crap. And so even if I'm on the bench at this school, they don't treat me like crap. They see me like a human. And there's a lot of perks. And I'm going to take them because I deserve them. Yeah, I think, they, I think they were just so cool, like, at Duquesne because, like, the staff had been together for so long and it was like for them, like super family oriented and like any kid that they gave a scholarship to was like, yeah, come be a part of the family. And I don't think that when they told me I could be on the team that they really thought like, 
I was coming there to be a part of the family. Like, I think they just looked at it as like, yeah, this kid wants to get into coaching, like wants to finish out his career here, like put him on the team, whatever. But I like made such a good impression on them because I was older, I had more experience, like, and I was less insecure, less nervous, like, and just was being my more of myself that they accepted me so quickly. And like, you know, some of those coaches, like most of the coaches, like I enjoyed hanging out with than a lot of my teammates over the last two years. Like if anybody followed Duquesne basketball, like guys have been on and off this team. There's been roster turnover like crazy. And there's no, not, it's not, I'm not singling any individual out, but like I wasn't necessarily around some of the best guys ever. Like these team dynamics at Duquesne were nothing like my team dynamics at Ryder, who are some of my best friends, like I said earlier. And I think like the coaches just, you know, open their arms with a warm welcome and you know, now they're all my friends. Like they're all older men, but like, they're my, literally my friends. Like we fuck with each other. Like we're going to go golfing, go get a drink. Like I'm 30 years younger than these guys, but like, that's like where the bond has gone to. And like, that's, I think something I'll never trade is like the relationships that I got out of these experiences. Like we should preface that you would talk to the old guy in sixth grade at your, you know, sixth grade basketball game so this is like normal for you what old no, guy i don't even remember noah, noah would be like at his sixth grade basketball game and like talking to one of his like friends dads or like you know the grandfather that was like watching the game and he'd have like a full conversation with like a person that's like 40 years 50 years older than him because you've always been like that he, i say it all the time he's like an old man like old oh, soul call him that. Energy. You say like <laughs> you're an old man like so i'm not surprised he is he is an old man he called yeah. himself a youngster the other day. I'm like, dude, are you a, are you fucking a hundred years old? <laughs> I'm so hold so, on. I'm surprised that the word youngster is like out. That's, that's not in. That's not in. You're, no one under seventy is saying youngster. See, I yeah, like hip. I wasn't hip to that. <laughs> I think that I think that all of us in our own way have old souls, but Noah's is like ancient. Like Noah, like definitely right. has been around before, and yeah. your your energy like attracts that like i think the bond and the mentorship that you have with your coaches is because of like who you are at your core like it attracts this energy that like you also want to be around because you want to get better and you want to learn but these guys also see it in you like oh you're only 23 like they see that you're not like your average 23 year old at all last break coming up stay with us we tie the episode together and kind of come to the conclusion about what my journey really was and we touch more on the mental side of everything and eh, they all gas me up a little bit at the end before we wrap it up. Super cool stuff coming your way. Stay with us. We'll be right back. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback 
with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back with episode 10 of Walkie Talkies podcast. I'm your host, Noah Bono. And today, remember, we have my siblings, Jillian and Greg, and my girlfriend, Corey, on with us. So let's bring them back in and ride out this home stretch of episode 10. I just think that you were really young, you were a kid, and you were really, truly mistreated there. And I think it really fucked with your head. And I also think that your insecurity levels were already rocky because you were so young at that time that the way that they handled the situation like like greg said like they couldn't even do the decent thing and treat you like a human and so then to like kind of see you because the noah like in a room the noah towards friends the noah towards like meeting new people like that guy doesn't care he's like i am all set if you're my friend or you're not my friend or you invite me here if you don't invite me but that person was not that in a basketball setting with Ryder because they were like kind of monstrous to you and so then it just you led with like insecurity fear like probably debilitating anxiety i mean there were countless phone calls i had with you and i'm sure way more with greg that were like visceral emotional things that you were going through because people were genuinely not even hearing you seeing you like these people didn't even see you and you were a kid and i think like the what i mentioned about the structure of you know it being with like kind of an epidemic in in college sports that why have a walk-on if you're not going to even hear this kid they're kids like yeah. even if you want them to you know get on like do what you say like they're still kids so there has to be like some empathy to the fact that they left their families and like greg's point you paid to be here so you clearly want to be here so it's it's kind of infuriating that these families would send their kids off in the hopes that they're well taken care of and their mental state is probably worse after the fact and you know that i don't think is that arc of like being worse like you were not yeah. in a in a, you weren't better off you were worse you were like oh am i good should i yeah. you know this tomorrow should i, I go think, like 
or just like the idea of just like you're you're putting yourself in debt to be in this situation and you're a kid and you're in the hands of these like older men and they're not only like a, abusing you emotionally but they're also fucking destroying your dream it's yeah. like you literally like and it, it happened to me that's why i didn't fucking keep playing i'm like you know between all like the losses that we did or like in in you know we weren't a good team in high school or whatever but just like the people that were around me it was like you're not making the game fun anymore like whatever reason i had for doing this like i no longer want to do it anymore i got to figure something else out and like luckily noah through the five years found another yeah. niche inside of it and it's like oh you don't have to be the star player on the court you could be a coach you could be on the out you could make a podcast you could do you, whatever the case may be but it was like i think that highlighting like how you know you go in there with so much fucking hope and ambition and you are literally treated like shit to the point where you're like i don't even like the one thing i love i don't even want to do anymore like you 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 all ruined it and i think that goes to what noah was saying about like why he didn't quit it was like this prideful thing of like nobody's going to take this away from me. Like, I'm just going to get to the finish line and I'm going to figure it out because I, I love this too much. Even yeah. though you suck the fun out of fucking playing, like, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make the most out of the Specifically Ryder. We're discussing Ryder right now for the audience. You know what's funny about that, though, is that, like, for three straight years, so two years at Ryder, third year at Rampo, I would, you know, if practice was in the morning or if it was later on in the day, like I would go to practice and there would not be a bone in my body that was like, I want to be here. Like yeah. for three years straight, it was like, oh my God, like I got to go to that gym for two and a half hours, three hours. Like it was brutal. It was like, I, I, I literally just forced myself to because it's what I chose to do. I was taking loans out, paying money to be there. And it was like, well, I, this is what I gave myself. So I think that like that part of it and honestly, like touching on like some of the mental health stuff, like at that time at Ryder, like I was not in an understanding of like what was really going on mentally. Like I brought up like the the sadness and the depression I felt. And at one point I was seeing a, like an on-campus therapist. Like it was like through like the student counseling, like at Ryder, like I was seeing a therapist and I think I went for like three or four straight weeks and then I ghosted her, never went again. <laughs> um, but like I went and I like, I'm proud of Classic. myself that I even, I mean, I was 19 years old. I took the initiative of like, I need to talk to somebody like, this is crazy. Um, but I don't think I understood, like, I am depressed. I have anxiety. Like, I, like I said earlier, like, I didn't really understand, like, I wasn't a person until a certain, certain period of my life. Like when I got to college, cause I got out of that shell and got out of the bubble of my hometown, popped the bubble. All of a sudden I became a person, but I never knew that feeling that I always had was anxiety. I never knew like before a game in high school when I was like petrified to go out there, worried if I was going to perform, worried if like I was going to play well, if we were going to win, if I was going to help my team, who was going to be watching. Like that feeling that I had was performance anxiety. And I had no fucking clue that that was even a thing until I read a book called Champion's Mind that was written by a sports psychologist. And this was after my two years at Ryder. And he talked about performance anxiety. And I'm highlighting my ass off in this book because I'm like, oh, wow. So for like four years of high school, a couple years of middle school, like a couple years at Ryder, I was dealing with ultra mega supreme performance anxiety, whether it was on the practice court or on the actual game court. Like, and so I think for me, it was just like I learned things slowly in some of these areas, whether it was like the IQ of basketball, the X's and O's, 
or it was identifying that I have crippling anxiety and it's coming from basketball, like a game I love, like I have anxiety from this game and like, I don't know how to deal with it. And I, you know, obviously learned how to do it. I like plowed through, you know, talk to the right people, all of you, like, and I had a great support system. So I think that always helps, but I think like identifying those things, like in the moment, I had no idea. Like I, it was, I was so young. Like everything just goes back to me being young. Like I was so young. I didn't know enough about me. I didn't know enough about the world about like, I just think the system is kind of rigged against you though, because if we could do all of these things again, like I would be the valedictorian if I was going to college right now, you want $70,000 a year number one in the class number one like no, i would uh, hesitate like if, it, if we're talking about redos i would have never showed up ever i would have fucking i went to i would have went to uh, vocational school to became a mechanic <laughs> <laughs> it's just a colossal waste of time man just My point I mean, is that for some people gregory feels like i was all set like i didn't need that and then for me i feel like if i had it as more of an adult i would have appreciated it more, applied myself more, had better grades, like things would have just been different. And I feel like everything that you didn't really know or were unaware of when you were at Ryder was rigged against you because you were a kid, like, mm -hmm. you know, and it's unfortunately the system and it's how we do things is that you send your, you know, 18 year old off to go figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life, which usually isn't the case. Like you're usually not going to do that thing for the rest of your life. And I, and I think like, that's not your fault, you know? Yeah. So well, everything that transpired these last five years is kind of based off of maybe a mistake, but like, maybe, maybe no, yeah, literally maybe a mistake that evolved into your life's path. Like, oops, I made a mistake. Oops. I did it again. And, and again yeah. and again, and again, but I'm going to keep doing it. Cause it's going to lead me. Oh, okay. I guess I'm okay with that. It's like, yeah. it took you this like it took the mistake right. and to get this right and it's not it's not a bad mistake you know some people when they turn 18 they start doing heroin like noah just went d1 when he shouldn't have and that's fine you know that's <laughs> <laughs> fine oranges yeah you know it's like some mistakes are are far worse than like the mic you got motherfucker to, is go. it here go, is it go. good here yeah. here right lined up with your neck the neck i can feel like a meteorologist i'm fucking sitting on a stool like an idiot Go ahead, okay. Greg. Finish your finish your thing. No, I mean, yeah. Noah's five years is predicated on a mistake. Like looking back on it with the family dynamic that we had, the money situation, the whole thing. Like, you obviously, probably should have went to a school that was going to pay you to be there, and you could have grown a little bit more, and you could have gotten some good game film. And then, you know, if D one came knocking, D one came knocking, or maybe you did four years at the school, but but you made this mistake going D one. And it ushered you into a like a, a college path that was filled with these great connections that were going to keep you in the game. And that's what me and Noah have talked about a lot is that he could have had this amazing D3 career. And maybe that would have led to a D1 scholarship or playing overseas. But maybe it wouldn't have let like he could have got to the end of it and not had these connections to stay in the game right. or to yeah. like maybe maybe potentially coach at a high uh, major school or do whatever he's doing now, you know, that he's out uh, of basketball. I think that that's the key thing is that this mistake, like open the doors to these so many different worlds that like, I don't think me and Noah ever even knew fucking existed when we were in high school. We were just like, Oh, you go D one. And then um, you go to the NBA 
<laughs> and then if you if you don't go to the NBA, then you just you just go overseas and you you make a couple hundred thousand dollars and you have great you have a great life. Well, I mean, this, this yeah. is also coming from that mindset is that there was like many steps missed, like between yeah. Noah's career. There's just like a misstep of like that path. Yeah, there was like a lack of I don't want to say guidance, I because I had guidance. I think there was just a lack of understanding of like what was the most realistic and best situation to put me in. But like a lot of it was on me. Like I was adamant, like I said earlier, like I need to go D one. I need to prove these people wrong. Like and yeah, I think that the whole thing, it's funny you guys say that, like is probably predicated off of a mistake. Cause yeah, I mean I mean, yeah, I made great friends and I had some cool memories, but all in all, like probably yeah, was a mistake. Like literally. But if, I also think that making mistakes don't exist because ultimately you are exactly where you're supposed to be. So even if it was a mistake in hindsight, the mistake created a new plan that was actually the plan. So ultimately it wasn't a mistake. Right. It just hindsight, it just wasn't exactly the course that got you what you wanted. So it's like now the course shifted what you what you envisioned for yourself, which ultimately made you grow up. Right. So the, the, the I part, agree. The part of you that wasn't growing up, the part of you that was clueless, the part of you that didn't realize you had anxiety was the part of you that was woke up. Right. You know, so with, maybe without the pain and the strife and the agony and the anxiety, you would have never woke up. You just would have been like, oh my God, everything's fine. I'm going to go play overseas. Like you wouldn't have known. Yeah. You either win or you learn, you know? <laughs> You're damn right. I mean, I think Noah has learned. The L is yeah, not I didn't lost. Win. I didn't win shit. I learned though. I definitely did yeah. not win dick, but I learned, and I yeah. think that that's cool. You, you weren't a good. You weren't a good student in the classroom, but you were. You're a good student on the court. You know, you really, you really hung in there while they're <laughs> they're throwing fucking fastballs right at your head. They're like, "Quit, you stupid bitch. We don't want you here." And you're like, <laughs> "I love basketball. I love basketball. I won't quit." Like. You're oh, worthless. Delusional love. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can, you could kick me right in the balls and I'd stay right here and I'd watch the rest of this practice in even more pain. I was going to kind of segue from there and kind of ask, I have this thought and I could be wrong, but if you were to take a, a basketball pause as far as being on the court or even thinking twice about being a player, could you imagine yourself pursuing that in any way? Because you are only 23. No, I'm done. I'm completely. As as sad as that is to say, yeah, I shed my last tears when we lost in the A10 conference tournament. But then I have a question. But this is what I'm getting at: is like 23 year old brain is not 25, 26, 27. And I guess is there an inkling of you that could see that more mature version of you that could go maybe I maybe I would entertain that when I'm not this age. At this point, it's like basketball always ends at some point. I would rather just get a head start on like just pursuing, you know, I did it for so long. And it's like, I think that the, the journey like throughout was slowly sucking my joy out of it and my like desire to want to get better and like prove people wrong. Cause you need like a fire inside of you to keep playing on like, like, what is it that's some people just straight up love the game and love hooping, but other people like play because there's something burning inside them. That's like, I got to do this for this person. I got to do this you know, because these people said I couldn't, like, I think I, I'm burnt out of all of that. Like I yeah, lost. But I actually think the opposite. I think my mindset is, is that you spent so much time doing things to prove people wrong that if you ever were to make that choice, when I say ever, because you are only 23, that if you were to make that choice of like, I'm dedicating myself to actually achieving 
this thing that I want to do with this sport for me. Like that would be an acceptable reason to go chase that if yeah. it ever happened. Yeah. I think right. that I just genuinely don't feel like I want to play anymore. Like sometimes like I've been asked to play pickup like a couple months after the season and I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you, Dude, you, like, go, you go through that. I, I, I stopped. I didn't play for over not even any pickup at like two years, maybe. And then I got into Ramapo and I played intramural for like the first, that was my first ever like game with a ref since I was like, 18 and i played like my last game of aau and it was awesome because for the first fucking time in my life there was no pressure to do anything like i'm just balling with my roommates you know and i don't have to prove anything to anyone like i'm just out here playing basketball and there's nothing i'm trying to gain from this except for just to have fun yeah. and you know it was a blast it was the fucking first time i had fun playing basketball in years i was like oh this is why i dedicated my childhood to this fucking sport you know yeah. but definitely once you come out of it you're like i'm good <laughs> i'm like yeah I think uh, I'm, just like, I'm taking like the necessary like i don't know how much time it'll be but like aside from basketball like Corey can attest to this like i've barely been in the gym working out either like i don't even go late hey, anymore like I, gym I, sucks yeah and i will like i like trash place I <laughs> it's, it's crazy you went from like waking up 6 a.m and, and being in the gym for like four hours at a time to to absolutely nothing i think in the last like, two <laughs> months i've seen you go to the gym three times you went yeah, from no. being a motivated athletic amazing right, fucking so like, life, I, I think that you're doing like a good like recuperation time like rejuvenating getting your yeah, I, I think I'm, mental health back first before you go in the gym and start crushing it again i think it's yeah good just some you. some like revitalization of like i was putting in so much work and i love working out and sweating and you know it's great for my brain it's great for like how i feel throughout the day it's a great feeling to work out push yourself and get that i don't know i get very satisfied from my workouts but i think like i don't know it was so long and grueling and it's like just taking a little bit of a layoff. I'm waiting for my credit card to get shipped and then I will use my credit card to then sign up for a gym membership and I'll be right back where I started. But like very personal information for all of yeah. listeners. He's going to get yeah. a credit card everyone. No, no, no. So <laughs> I had a, You can catch it before he does. No, so here I had a credit card and in December I lost it in a bar and um, I have called Capital One four different times to ship it, and they keep shipping it to the wrong address. So someone has gotten a credit card of mine, and no one's made any charges, but I finally have, I think, the right This episode one. is sponsored by Capital One. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do like a quick hitter? Quick hitters? I only had one that I could think of. A big part of our conversation was about, you know, just you didn't get the highlights on the court, but you made a lot of great relationships. So I feel like it's only right to like, you know, shout out your favorite teammate. <laughs> top uh, five. That's your MySpace that, top five. Yeah, well, yeah. Who's in your top? Who's in your top Who's teammates? Top bro? eight on MySpace. <laughs> my favorite, is he my favorite teammate? Like on the court, my favorite teammate. No, there's just, there's a lot of categories. No, no. Oh, fuck that. Dude, the guy you like the best. No, don't. Yeah, it's that. ridiculous. The guy, I mean, the, 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 the person I had the closest. Who, yeah, yeah. Who? Okay, my, reframe it like that. It's my dog, Ryan O'Leary. He was a walk-on with me at Ryder, and he ate all of the same shit that I ate right next to me. He actually got a better plate of shit than I did, and he'll admit that. Like, mm. he used to always come up to me and be like, "Man." I don't get treated well here, but you really don't get treated well here. Like, <laughs> like there were levels. Shout, shout out O'Leary. Yeah. Shout out to my boy. 
All right. Well, are we good? We'll wrap it. Good. Yeah, we'll wrap it. This was an right. excellent experience. This is my first time on a podcast. I was so nervous, but uh, I think I did a really <laughs> good job. Performance anxiety. Did you? Remember? I did. I did. That was going to get I, off. The... Yeah, Greg. Sorry. You guys no. have been interrupting each other all day. We did all right. It was just at the we end. Did. I think we did pretty good. You it's so hot in my room. Really well, and Noah, you did amazing. You didn't cut a single person off not once. I was waiting. He did, he did, did good. great. Thank you. I would like to. I would like to say to you, as your sister, which I think that I've already said in other ways, that is this on the record? Yes, this is on the record. Older sister is saying on the record that we are very proud of you, and it does not matter that you were ever on that court because that was not the point. And right. everything that you are doing now is like so exceeds all of the expectations I think right. any of us ever had. Like the idea that you have done this podcast like from your brain, like you just were like, I have an idea. And then like, did it, you know, not a lot of people will do those things. And I think every time you have a little inkling of like only 80 people listen this week, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Cause there's someone that's writing, doing a podcast and they got two and they're related right. to them. and you are putting something out there that is important. And the more consistency you give it, the more traction it will get. And right. I think that this conversation is completely valid and important and you will help create change in the walk on collegiate journey because of starting something like this. Fuck. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I need to step in and one up her. Okay. Um, up. <laughs> I've been through Noah's basketball career, you know, from the jump. I remember him not wanting to go to tryouts when he was 12. Cause he wanted to, he was a baseball player. He was just a baseball player. And then, you know, he pulls up to the rec tryout and he makes every single shot. I don't even know if he ever fucking shot a basketball in his life, but he just had like natural ability and like a natural love to the, for the game. And, you know, I'm just like, just super proud of you and everything that you've accomplished. And, you know, from my perspective, like you learned a lot, you met a lot of cool people and you're going to, you know, build a career in basketball. And it's, and it's, it's awesome that you found another aspect of the game that you really like me. It's just like, it's a shame that college basketball missed out on an absolute dog, you know, because <laughs> they didn't get to see the boy at work, but I did, you know, and I feel, I feel special because of that. I'm like, these motherfuckers don't know what they were missing. Cause my boy's a dog and I'll, I'll literally die saying that Noah, given the right opportunity could have been a, a well-known name on the college basketball court. A hundred percent. No doubt in my mind, I would literally go to, I would, it doesn't matter who I'd have to argue with, you know, it could be LeBron himself. I'd be like, no, no, no. My brother's a dog. Like given the chance, he probably would have been better than you. Nah. Um, but just overall, just like the, the podcast idea is dope. And you know, you, you went through a lot and you're, you're taking what you went through and you're flipping it on its head to try to help other people out. And I think that's super dope. And I'm glad that on the 10th episode, we all got to be a part of it. Fucking walkie talkie gang forever, boy. WTZ. Yes, sir. Thank you. Woo. Corey, Corey, gas me up really quick. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I think in the same way you're just said, I'm, I'm extremely proud of you. I think I met you when you were, you were kind of down bad emotionally and as selfish as it is to say, I'm glad that you went through those because I wouldn't have met you if you hadn't had a horrible time at Ryder and then gone to another school and then had a bad yeah. time here and then gone to another school. It's like, I don't know. It all works. And in the same way that you continue to show up, I continue to show up and watch you. You sit there from across the room doing little finger hearts or whatever. <laughs> I'm proud of you. And you just, you've grown a lot, even within two years. 
and it took a lot to create this. I'm happy you did, and I'm happy I can listen to it. Even though you don't really like listening to it, but thank you and thank you all. <laughs> um, all right, that's a wrap for episode 10 of Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network featured on iHeartRadio. I'm your host, and actually today, your hosts were Jillian, Greg, and Corey, and I think they did a kick-ass job. Honestly, might have to have you guys back on the show um, because you, Jill, you're Jill, you're a kick-ass interviewer. I'm not even going to wow, lie. Wow, dead so, ass. Jillian brought the fucking gas. Yeah, Jillian brought the gas. You might have your own little podcast coming up soon. Um, what a vibe, man. I had a really good time recording that with my people. Uh, we went long enough, and throughout the episode, I literally forgot to even talk about what I'm doing now post-college basketball. Uh, and you heard us talk about the whole time connections and this walk on journey gave me the connections and the opportunity to now work within basketball as I will be working for a new basketball player development startup business called run the show that was founded by a former coach of mine at Duquesne and someone who has become just a great friend and mentor to me Steve McNeese shout out to my guy Steve Steve has given me the opportunity to be a coach to the youth to high school college players right away out of the gates of being a college basketball player and and learn the ropes and also be in the gym with a ton of pro guys and assist in their workouts and just continuing to learn and learn as we continue to grow the company. Um, I'm really excited to be a part of it and I'll also be leading a new scouting service called the Hoop Herald where I'll be evaluating young talent, writing up reports on players to then help colleges find those players. You can check out our Twitter at the Hoop Herald where we post all sorts of different kind of basketball content and our Instagram at runtheshow.us to follow us along our journey. You know, originally I did plan to try and be a graduate assistant for a Division One program, but this opportunity to stay around hoops in a different capacity was the perfect situation for me. You know, especially after my strenuous <laughs> five years and finishing my basketball career on a 17 game losing streak definitely left a little sour taste in my mouth. So I kind of needed a break from college hoops and, and I'm just happy to be a part of these companies and, you know, grateful for Steve and our other owners for uh, bringing me along. So really special stuff going on. Go follow us on those socials because uh, we are just getting started. And thank you again to everyone who tuned in. This was, was again, really a special episode and I'm happy we got to get it out there and that my sister, brother, girlfriend were all able to be a part of it with me. Um, I'll have more about my story as we continue to climb the ladder, no doubt, but this was a good icebreaker. Uh, and if you go on Apple Podcasts and scroll down on the podcast page, there will be a button to leave some stars and write a review. We would really appreciate it. Whether you liked it, hated it, does not matter. Just go give us some reviews. We, we love them. We need them. And uh, if you haven't already and you enjoy this content, please make sure you are subscribed to Walkie Talkies Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss any episodes. It is always appreciated. Thank you again to everyone who hung out with us. I hope you all did enjoy. And remember... Come on, I'm cute! <laughs> oh, the motto. The motto of this podcast. I'm fucking cute! Walkie Talkies podcast has been a presentation of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.